Hey, hey, and welcome to Moving Acadiana, a podcast where we talk about a culture that, like a stick of butter in a hot pot, has melted into something beautiful. From great people to great food, from music that makes you dance to festivals that make you happy, and from time to time, we also talk about our local real estate market. I'm your host, John Ray Perkins. Let's get moving. <clears throat> All right, y'all, I'm here with Tyler from The Orchard. Um, this is our second time second yeah so apparently um i don't know how to use computers and deleted files it's called fat fingering is what we call it fat fingering you, you, yeah. you fat fingered the the delete key on accident and it wasn't accident yeah. i was it may have been on purpose it was in desperation <laughs> um i needed more space on my computer and here we are yeah so we get to hang out again we get to do it again yeah i love it so um Tell us a little bit about who you are, since I already know, but they don't. Awesome. Yep. So, uh, born and raised in Lafayette. Um, I uh, went to Lafayette High. I actually uh, went to school with your assistant, Camille. Yep. Um, so, small world there. Um, graduated, joined the military right out of school uh, because I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know what I wanted to go for. So, I figured I'd use my time wisely and at least get it paid for in the process. So, sure. What branch? Um, I was in the Air Force. I was a uh, C-1. 130 crew chief, which is basically a, a flying mechanic. Okay. C-130 is a large cargo plane. Uh, most people know it from its uh, popularity from the movie Transformers. Mm, uh, yeah, that it was, one. It, it did a... It had a big role in that movie. So uh, that's where the plan on Transformers is what I say. Uh, people are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did that um, for about six years um, on and off, took college here and there, um, was able to... Um, Go to LSU after that, um, where I was the uh, manager of the LSU track and field team for three years. Okay. Um, I don't know that. I, I don't know that. that. I don't know. That yeah, I don't know. You told me that. Maybe I left that one out. Okay, great. I'm going to learn some new things, yeah. too. So I uh, I'm, I was uh, basically a student manager on scholarship that helped with logistics and coordinating schedules for all of the athletes. You know, track and field teams at the collegiate level are huge. So there's like... 40 on the men's team and 40 on the women's team. So you can imagine when you travel um, with 120 students and staff, it's a big task. Right? Sure. So that's that was what I did for about three years. Um, I was able to use my military credits uh, as well as the credits from LSU and graduate with a four-year degree in three years. Nice. Which I thought was super impressive at the time. And now I'm a little older and wiser. I realize that I probably should have stayed a little longer, enjoyed the season of life a little bit. But yeah, yeah. You know, I, when you're, I did six. So, <laughs> you know, when you're young, you're like, you know, and, and eager, the, you know, I wanted to get out of there as quick as I could. And now I'm like, man, I should have stayed a little longer. Yeah. So I uh, had a great time. Uh, actually was able to participate in two SEC championships. Uh, oh, that's cool. There. Got a couple, got some rings. Uh, I didn't run, but I still got the hardware. Everybody gets from a ring on right? staff, which is a cool uh, conversation piece. Um, graduated, uh, moved back to Lafayette. Uh, I met my wife while I was in uh, Baton Rouge, moved back to Lafayette, um, got married. Uh, my wife uh, had a two-year-old at the time that we met, so I have a, we had her uh, kind of as a built-in Insta family, sure, um, which was great, um, and um, got started in the sales, marketing, business development uh, roles uh, across a number of different industries over the course of about, let's say, the next seven or eight years. Um, in that time frame, we had another child, my son, Logan, who's seven. So, okay. um, got two kiddos, um, uh, 
they're a blast. Um, loving both seasons of the teenager and the, right. the, you know, the elementary school, we get to experience both of them separately, which I think is cool. We have the similarity. I have four. So I have a 14 and a 12 year old, a seven and a four year old. Oh yeah. Wow. So it's the two plus two, right? Yep, it's the definitely. two different worlds all the time. Yeah. And they, they're completely separate worlds. Yes. The, the, you know, needs, wants, and desires of both sets are just completely different. And we got the big kids that are involved in stuff and the little kids who have a bedtime. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, really, um, fell in love with the sales and marketing business development roles that I was, um, participating in. Uh, when I was in college, if somebody would have told me that you were going to be in sales and business development, I probably would have just laughed at him and said, there's no way, you know, I just, I was, I was, I, I guess too insecure, didn't have enough confidence at the time, didn't know really where I was going from a career standpoint. But, uh, one of the people that I worked for, uh, saw something in me and asked me to give it a try and gave me a stack of business cards and told me to go cold calling. And I never looked back. There you um, go. It was just, fun, you know, every day, all day. So what was that first day? Like, like, what was it like staring at that phone? So it, it wasn't cold calling from the phone. It was, this was oil and gas. Oh, it was hype, like, boom, door knocking. 2012, in. you know, things are going crazy. Everybody's got money to spend, go get us a business. Um, and you know, there was real, I didn't have a, a book of business. He didn't give me any, it was just like any business around highway 90 that you think could use our services, go knock on their door and introduce yourself. I like um, it. So it was pretty easy, you know, uh, from an opportunity standpoint, cause everyone was a customer potentially. And I just would go from parking lot to parking lot and, you know, try to get past the gatekeeper and at least get a, a phone number and email to follow up with somebody in procurement. And, um, you know, my attitude was, what's the worst they can say? No, no. You know, yeah. so it's just like, um, and I, and I really, found a lot of uh, joy in, in the challenge of converting the gatekeeper to a, you know, a, a fan of Tyler. That was sure. always my challenge. Um, you never know what people are going through. So I just viewed it as an opportunity to make a positive impact on their day and then ask for a favor, basically. Yeah. Uh, and typically, if you, if you went in knowing the leveling the playing field, right? Like they were in charge and you were not mm -hmm. and give them the, give the authority to them. Um, that typically put them at ease, right? Like you respect their position yeah, and they would give you what you wanted, which was ultimately a name. I, um, I bring my daughter with me, my 12 year old, um, when I go knock on doors in a neighborhood around a listing or open house or whatever. And I, I knock on the door, I hand them my business card and I, you know, Hey, I'm John Ray. And then I point to my daughter and say, and this is Cecilia. She's my bodyguard. Yeah. And they laugh and the ice is break broken. And now we can get along with right. the conversation, right. you know? So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of same concept. Absolutely. You just got to get, you know, nobody wants to be sold. Exactly. Right. And so it's figuring out a way to create a win-win situation for, um, you know, whoever your target is, your, your audience, the customer, um, or the gatekeeper at that point. Yeah. Um, so just really enjoyed that, um, knew that I always wanted to, uh, work for myself or, you know, at an executive level to be able to create change sure. in organizations, right? Sales is fun, but, you know, impacting people's lives in a positive way, I think is funner. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, uh, that's really the focus was, is to get into a position where I could make an impact in our customers' lives, but also employees as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started uh, doing business consulting uh, on the side, you know, just building relationships again in the business community to find opportunities for myself to be able to either um, 
advance in a career opportunity or um, maybe start a small business. And I thought I was going to start a small business uh, consulting firm doing sales consulting for other industrial supply small businesses. Sure, it makes sense. One of the challenges in that industry is, is in any industry really, is it's hard to find good salespeople. Right. Because yeah. everybody over, you know, the sales. some people oversell themselves and they underperform or the other way around. The, re- the really good ones are, you know, really complacent and they're not going anywhere and they're not looking for new opportunities. Um, so I thought if I could develop a system to where these small businesses that maybe couldn't afford a high earner salesperson, that we could develop a commission structure based around offering and selling for multiple businesses instead of one. So basically like sales broker for yeah. multiple businesses that complement one another, but don't necessarily overlap or compete. Um, that's a cool concept. So uh, that's what I thought I was going to do. I was, I was going to be that first guy mm-hmm. and I was going to b- build the model, create an income, sustainability for my family and find other good, talented salespeople that maybe, you know, wanted to get out of the corporate machine and look for an opportunity like what we were offering. And um, I had a few different clients here and there. Um, I uh, made some really good relationships, and one of those relationships was um, Eric Smith, who is the original founder of The Orchard. Okay. And um, as I was doing this consulting work, he called me and said, hey, I've got this opportunity. Let's sit down and talk about it. And the opportunity was basically The Orchard had been around at that point for about 10 years. Um, It had changed hands with leadership and ownership a couple times throughout the course of that 10 years. And So can I pause you right there? Yeah, sure. Can we, are, are, are we going to go down the road of uh, where the orchard, like we can, that's a cool story. I think it is too. So before we jump into how you got involved, tell yeah. us how the orchard came into existence. Sure. So, um, 2005, six ish, you know, is when the iPod was really on the rise, you know, four, I, five, six. Yep. I, I got one. My wife bought me one for our uh, wedding. It was my wedding gift. Yeah. And we got married in 2005. It's the turn wheel. And yeah, oh yeah. The big brick one. The oh yeah. Metal one. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it, everybody had one. Everybody had one. It was, a, you know, the talk of the town and um, the MacBook was starting to make a push. Remember the original white mm-hmm. MacBooks? Yep. Those were, you know, that was the re-engineered, redesigned version. They were coming back out. People were getting excited around the Apple brand again. And um, Apple um, was creating what they would call focus groups. And they were looking for, you know, Apple enthusiasts to get together and talk shop, basically. And Eric and a couple of his buddies uh, started a group, and they were meeting at the CC's in River Ranch, which is now Rev, near uh, um, City Club. And uh, it grew from maybe 5 or 10 users to 15, 20 users to 20, 30, 40 users to upwards of like 75 users at one point where they were all meeting at this space and talking shop about Apple and computers and iPods and you know, all the things coming coming down the line over the next the course of the next three years. Um, at the same time, the iPhone was launched. And so that was a huge, obviously, you know, game changer for the tech industry. And Apple realized pretty quickly that they had introduced a product in the marketplace that was under such demand with very little support. They had to pivot quickly and start to look for opportunities for service in in small and regional markets and the first place they went to was those focus groups for 
um, support is to say, hey, look, if we send people to you, can you help them? The next step was if we give you the opportunity to open up a brick and mortar for sales and service, is that something you're interested in? Which Eric's an entrepreneur at, at his core and he said, absolutely. Yeah. Built the business plan, sought out private equity funding in Lafayette, um, which is a great place to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. uh, because of the support you get um, from um, the oil and gas community, right? The entrepreneurship that's been behind that industry for decades. Yeah. And um, he found the right partner and um, picked the location and launched the Orchards brick and mortar facility uh, in October of 2008. So um, they uh, started off as mainly sales of new product sales out of the brick and mortar. Oh, so I didn't know that. Because at the time, Amazon didn't exist, or mm -hmm. if they did, they were selling books. Sure. Um, Best Buy, Geek Squad wasn't really a thing. That was kind of a new concept at the time. Um, so there was no, um, so there was no support, but also there was no, uh, Steve Jobs believed in boutique resale. Right, like you couldn't find an iPad at Walmart. It didn't exist at that point. He yeah, didn't, he didn't want it. He wanted boutique resellers for the customer experience. It wasn't about the the price. It was about the value, yeah. the experience the customer would get. And so there wasn't any big box retail store selling any Apple products. It was you had to go directly through Apple, or you had to go through a uh, limited scope. Um, of authorized resellers to be able to gain access to their product. Best Buy eventually got it and started getting more of it and yeah. grew quickly. Um, but for the most part, it was done through small, independent, authorized resellers like The Orchard. As the market became saturated with product, the, the need and Apple brought on new resellers, the need and the opportunity for sales diminished, but the need for service drastically increased. Yeah. So there was a pivot in the business somewhere around 2015 where the, sh the, the shift went from, okay, we can't sell as much as we used to because there are so many other people doing it as well as the market has kind of become saturated with existing product. And um, the decision was made to start servicing more uh, than selling. We still had the sales Aspect because, it just wasn't the thing driving the business. Right, because it was the flashy, you know, sexy new thing, right? That's how you get people in the store. Or you also had to be able to offer a replacement device if someone had come in and their device was beyond what we would consider an economical repair. Yeah. Um, so that happened around 2015. Okay. Um, bounced back to... Is that kind of where you start coming into the I picture? I come into the picture in 2018. Okay. So 15 to 18 was there was a shift in leadership and ownership where things kind of got a little bit wonky. Um, and Eric um, was out of the business at that time while they were trying to sort things out on the back end. And um, he got back in in 2018 and that's when he made the phone call to me and said, hey, I've got an opportunity company's not doing a whole lot, but it's got a lot of opportunity for you to make an impact based around the consulting work that you've already said that you want to do. Um, and so I, you know, I was looking for opportunity, you yeah. know, um, and I was willing to bet on myself and what we could do, um, with the company. And 
from that point forward, I worked in the store basically six days a week, 12 hours a day, uh, figuring it out, learning, um, which I think is important for me to say at this point that I am not a tech guy. <laughs> I'm a business guy. Yeah. So um, I knew that, you know, in that particular business, it's obviously very tech oriented, but it's also a business. Yeah. So um, as much as the technical aspect was important, the at the the season the business was in, the business aspect was more important um, to continue to create sustainability for us. So I knew if I was able to surround myself with good techie people and have them do their jobs very well, I could focus on the business aspect and we would be wildly successful. Sure. Um, so we uh, we really just got back to basics, you know, understanding who we were, who, who we wanted to be, um, and um, focused around creating the most value for our customers during every interaction. Uh, you know, I, I think our customer life cycle is 18 months, you know, so we're not every week or every month. Uh, sometimes people come in every month, but that's just unfortunate sure. and they're clumsy or they have a lot so of products. So when you say customer life cycle, you mean like if I come to get my thing, my, my iPhone fixed, right? it might be 18 months before you see me again. Correct. Okay. So it's important that while they're, while you're there, that we create the most value during that transaction for both you and us, because there's an opportunity, there's, you know, we might not get another opportunity for 18 months to be able to solve a problem um, that you have that you may not even know you have. But the only way we can figure that out is if we ask the right questions. Sure. So that was my focus was, it was creating a sales process for the team to be able to follow some some boundaries, some left and right limits and a sales process so that they can know so we can make sure that we do maximize the opportunity while the customer is there um, and give them the most value. And that's one of the things we we preach in our everyday. There's nothing that we do in our business that's not going to benefit the customer. We don't offer anything that's not going to put them in a better position, that's going to enhance their user experience or the quality of the experience that they have with their device or their ecosystem. Yeah. And so it's in, in our opinion, it's very, it's, it's very easy to sell because we know that what we are offering is creating more value for the customer. And so it's, it creates, um, a positive interaction every 18 months, right? Sometimes more, sometimes less. Sure. Uh, but we don't want people to have to come back to the, you know, we're a, a hospital for technology, right? Yeah. You don't want to go to the hospital, you know, and then have to go back and have to go back in the same year or yeah. six months or three weeks or whatever the case may be. You know, you want to go for your annual visit. You want to be well, right. When you go to your GP and you want to leave, you want to go back next year. Yep. Right. So, um, that's the kind of what we wanted to become too, is, you know, we do a, you know, we ask the right questions. We do a full analysis of your ecosystem. How do you use your products? Is it working well? Is there anything we can improve on? Let's, while you're here, let's run diagnostics on your phone, your computer, your watch, your iPad, um, just to make sure we've got all our um, boxes checked before you head out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you come in in 2018, you get this process rolled out. Um, fast forward to today, what, what do y'all offer? What do y'all, where are you? Like then in 2018, you were one store. We were one store. Yeah. So, um, th that's a, it's a long story. <laughs> that's a <laughs> lot of work in four years. You know, we have, we, as a team, as a high achieving team, we tend to just kind of like blow past our goals that we've set without taking an opportunity to reflect on, you know, how far we've come. And so, and, and that's, 
part of, you know, my fault is because, you know, we set goals, we crush them, we move on and we, we push forward. But uh, over the last probably two years, we've done a better job of just saying like, okay, where were we in 2018 and where are we now? Yeah. In 2018, um, we had one store, we weren't offering a third of the services that we offer now. Um, then now we have three locations, brick and mortar. We've got one in Lafayette and it's been there for 14 years. We've got the one in Karen Crow off of Hector Connolly that's been there for two years. Um, and then we have our newest location in Elmwood, um, which is in Jefferson Parish, uh, off of Clearview, um, that's been there for five months. Uh, we also offer uh, on-site IT services for um, managed services, so for large Apple ecosystems or small, um, where we do mobile device management, we do network management, um, we uh, basically just general IT troubleshooting uh, for small to medium-sized businesses, and um we do that through all three of our locations. It's a function of the stores as well. So if a business owner's listening right now and they have an Apple ecosystem and they're at the point where they're like, man, I got to hire an IT person and they just can't afford the salary of the IT person, you guys can come in and offer your services for a monthly fee or That's a correct. contract fee or whatever that looks like. We do offer monthly retainers. Uh, but one of the things as a business owner, having solicited services in the past from other vendors, we offer, um, you know, hourly basis um, solutions as well. So, you know, obviously if you go on retainer, we offer a discount based sure. on traditional hourly rate just because it's a block of time that you're paying for. But, you know, a lot of small businesses are trying to cut costs every way they can. And so we have a pay as you go program for that. So yeah, we'd love to, you know, have you as a retainer client, but if that's not something that fits your business model right now, um, we'd love to support you through, you know, the hourly onsite IT uh, service fee that we have. And you can call us for three hours a week or, three hours a month or three hours a year just depends on what you need. Sure. Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And w you know that when we talk about creating value for our customers, it's, it's a truly a mutually beneficial relationship. We don't want it to just be one-sided. I, I tell our employees that all the time. This, this is a, a mutual transaction between us and the customer that has to benefit them just as much as it benefits us. And if that ever gets out of balance, we're going to reevaluate. Yeah. And so, when it comes to on-site IT, you know, there's a lot of times people are paying for tens of thousands of dollars in, you know, retainer IT services that they may never use because they just didn't have an issue. But it's almost like that safety blanket. It's insurance, right? Yeah. Um, and if you set the infrastructure up in the right way, you may not need that. You may need something just a little bit more scaled back. Um and responsive. The other thing that we do differently other than man than other managed IT service companies is I believe in face-to-face -face interaction. A lot of IT companies want to remote into your computer and they can fix things, you know, and, and they can, they do a very good job of that. But I think two things happen. Your value gets diminished, right? Let's say you charge a hundred bucks an hour and you log in somebody's computer and you fix something in, you have a minimum, minimum fee of one hour mm -hmm. and you fix something in 20 minutes on their computer and you charge them a hundred bucks and they just feel like, wow, you know, like you just, didn't look like a whole lot of work that just went on there. Right. Yeah. And so from a customer standpoint, they don't feel like they really got a good value. 
Now, I understand that having people employed in the field and there's a lot of potential waste that can go on there from a, a you know a business standpoint, but that's up to me to manage uh, with our employees. But I feel like our customers want to see people. Yeah. Right? Like you got a problem in your office space. If if you, you know, if somebody remotes in from the cloud, so to speak, I, I think that's a little less impactful than if, you know, the technician arrives in 20 minutes and takes care of the issue. Now, I'm not saying we don't do remote Spoken work. like a salesperson and not an IT person. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, you know, I'm not saying we don't do remote work. We do. Sure. Yeah. Right. But it's not going to be our, our that's not going to be our only solution. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of IT companies, you know, they're either they're remote locally or they're remote nationally. And it's very, they don't have the infrastructure to deploy an actual person in the field to be able to go resolve the issue. Um, there's a couple of companies I know locally that have these big warehouses full of hardware and they have clients all over the globe. And if something goes wrong, they box up a new one and ship it to them. And then the end user has to plug it up and start it up. And then somebody will remote in and finish the rest. Mm. I just and, had to do that with a PC product and it was the worst experience right. ever. And so it's our approach is that, you know, we want to grow, obviously, but we want to grow within the local markets that we serve with our brick and mortar locations to where we can res have that rapid response approach. So we're not looking for clients in, you know, Wyoming. We're not looking for clients in, you know, Dallas, Texas. We're looking for clients in Acadiana yep. and the New Orleans metro area. Yep. Right. Wyoming, when you open the store there, maybe, Correct. you know, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the, you know, we, we service clients in Baton Rouge just because we have the bandwidth to be able to do that. We service clients in like Charles. Um, we have, you know, a couple of clients in North Louisiana, if it just makes sense. But we, um, we want to serve the markets that we have a brick and mortar presence in because it allows us to be able to have that um, small town, great boutique customer service provider that I think everybody's looking for. Yeah. When I like, when I walk in the orchard, I like the fact that it's a small boutique place. I'm not walking into this like massive store right. with all these people and all these things, you know, like, I think there's going to be a huge shift sidebar. I think there's going to be a huge shift and there already is in the next decade when it comes to, uh, retail, um, and the type of stores that are available. You know, you think about, um, stores like, um, you know, the, the big box stores, they're going to continue to thrive because they've got the financial backing and the bandwidth to be able to continue to grow sure. and expand. The small businesses are going to continue to thrive, I think, because people now more than ever have an initiative to want to shop local yep. uh, and support their friends and their neighbors. I think it's the medium sized businesses that are, you're going to see disappear um, because they just can't sustain they're not, they're not small, they're not local, right? And they're not some giant player. Yeah. Right? And if you think about the medium-sized businesses that have recognized that, I'll use Rouse's as a perfect example, they have no choice but to grow, right? Because they have to have that bandwidth to be able to sustain and compete with the larger brands, Yeah. right? So, you know, the one or two little small grocery stores, I think eventually they're going to, other than like, the new news and the helos and the sure and because they're still small and local, they're small you and know? local, right? But, uh, they just happen to have more than one store. Correct. Um, you know, well, those stores are one stores. Rouse's is competing now with 
they're going towards like the the Whole Foods model, yeah. the fresh market model, right? Yeah. That's they're going to compete on a regional level to where they have that larger footprint to where they're not considered a small local anymore. Sure, um, they they are they're Louisiana owned, but they have locations in Miss you know Alabama, and yeah, Texas and Mississippi, and you know they're making a push because I think they recognize. If we don't, we're gonna we're gonna be like we're gonna get replaced. A Helos or a New News, right? Yeah. Um, which those are great stores, um, but I don't think Helos or New News has any intentions on becoming Rouse's. Correct. Right. Um, and I think that's the 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 hole in the market I'm talking about is the middle the middle sized businesses that are retail are going to go away. Yeah. And so we want to grow and we want to become a you know a regional company but we know that if we if we do that but we don't keep the local small town boutique feel we're going to fall victim of that same mentality of oh they're not local right yeah like, they're not small business yeah right which we are um, and we want to continue to operate that way and so the way we have our store set up is individual profit centers and so i call our branch managers profit center partners because that's the way they're compensated number one uh, number two i think it allows them to to really take ownership of the vision of that store. Each store is going to have its own culture. It's going to have its own, you know, vibe, you know, with some corporate oversight, obviously. But um, I don't really want people walking in the stores asking for Tyler. I want them walking in the stores asking for Josh and yeah. Nick, right? And, and and Brandon and Steve and yeah. so on and so forth. Um, because those are, the one, those are the people that are in the stores every day getting it done, right? Yeah. That's the local small town feel. Well, I mean, and, we and to your point, I mean, up until we did the giveaway together, I didn't even know, I didn't know who you were. And right. like, I knew Steve and I knew Josh and I knew like, yeah. and when I walked in, those are the people that I asked for to get my products fixed, Definitely. you know? So, um, so kudos to you. You're crushing it. Yeah. We, I want to continue to do more. So Orchard, Orchard has been fun. It's been my primary, um, focus for the last four years. Um, I have a great team in place. Um, and my main role now is administrative oversight and um, I'm looking for new opportunities to do um, what I've done for the orchard for other small businesses through either uh, consulting, uh, partnerships, profit sharing. Um, and I actually have two that I'm working on right now. Um, nice. And um, I like, you know, I think a, tr the, a true entrepreneur, um, and I might offend some people when I say this, but I think a true entrepreneur is somebody who can start something from nothing. Like, I don't really, I say I'm an entrepreneur, but more of an operator, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can take something that's already built. I work for myself, so I guess that entrepreneurship is that. But sure. somebody who can say like in a room with a whiteboard, draw it up, start, go and get it done. Like that's true entrepreneurship in my mind. I mean, that's they're, they're, those, those people are few and far between. Yeah. And so... I like helping those people take their vision and make it a reality, right? From, you know, they've conceptualized it. They maybe have some wheels in motion. Maybe they started it and it's just not going quite as well as they thought it was going to go. But put some real analytics behind, right? Like that's what I like to do. I like spreadsheets and numbers and, you know, ratios and all that good stuff. So putting some a plan behind the vision yeah. and then executing on that. I can enhance the vision, but to come up with something white box, like out of the you know, thin air that, you know, this is the next big thing. I don't think I'm that guy. Maybe one day I will be, but for now I'm more of the, let me take your vision. Let me enhance it and let's put some 
great operational excellence metrics around it. When I think the benefit there is like a lot of the people that have the vision don't know how to execute the business. Right. Right. I mean, how many times have we talked to a business owner that was like, man, in the early days, we were just like winging it. Yeah. And then whatever happened and they figured it out. Right. right. So to have somebody like you to, who has been a successful operator of a business, right. Right. And has actually taken businesses to new levels. I think that that's a, a cool area to focus and a cool opportunity for the visionary. Right. Definitely. And so it's, it's almost, it's really about understanding roles and responsibilities. You know, what are you good at and doing more of that? Um, you know, I'm a huge Gary V fan and that's one of the things that he said early on is, you know, recognizing your strengths and weaknesses and not focusing so much on your weaknesses as you focus on your strengths, right? Like we spend so much time identifying our weaknesses and trying to fix those versus just enhancing our strengths. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, I think the analogy he used was, you know, uh, he loves basketball wants to be a professional basketball player. It doesn't how many hard he practices is five foot seven, you know, uh, it, European immigrant is not <laughs> going to be a professional basketball player. Right. But I'm an excellent communicator and public speaker. And so while I can certainly, you know, recognize that like my size is a disadvantage to being a pre- professional basketball player, it has zero implications on my ability to be able to be a successful entrepreneur or public speaker. Right? Yeah. So it's, um, it's understanding your strengths and weaknesses and, you know, learning and growing and developing your strengths to be the best version of yourself, continuing to recognize those blind spots and those weaknesses, but giving yourself some grace and understanding that as you build a team, there's probably somebody who can do that a heck of a lot better than you can anyway. Yeah. So let that hire someone to do that. Right. Yeah. So a big hole in business is bookkeeping, right? Like, you know, that's a huge hole where people are <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I'll just do it myself. Or, you know, I hate doing it. I'm not good at it. So it never gets done, but, um, just hire somebody, find a bookkeeper yeah, you know? or hire a firm to take yeah. care of it. And so, it, yeah. So building, building your business in a way that helps enhance and highlight and, f- and, and I want to help free them up to do what they do best. Right. Whether that's it, it's a bakery and you're the, the best baker ever and you make the best cookies and cakes and everything. And you just have this unbelievable passion and knack for creating wonderful treats. But you're not a good salesperson. Right. So, OK, let me let, let's fill in that gap. Right. Whether it's me temporarily or if it's, you know, it's finding the right people, building the proper procedures for that sales process in whatever business it is to be able to make sure that you can do what you do well and they can do what they do well. And the world goes around and everybody makes a little bit of money and just do more of that. I like it. So. So you get handed a stack of business cards and get told. Go find some business, and here we are today. That's right. It's been, uh, you know, you. I'm a, I'm a faithful person, and so now hindsight 2020, I can look back, and everything is clear of where God was leading me. But at the at the time, it was unbe- unbelievably scary and frustrating, and um, you know, the fear of the unknown. Right. So yeah. it was. Uh, it's been an, an awesome journey, uh, and and. I feel like I've been doing it a lifetime, but at the same time, I know I haven't been doing it that long. So uh, I'm excited for, you know, the next decade of, of work and what's to come uh, and, and see what we can accomplish. 
So obviously people, if uh, they have a, uh, a need for services at the orchard, I mean, they can, they can look up the orchard, they can find the orchard. If somebody wants to do some consulting with you, how would they go about finding you? Yeah. So they can just, they can either go through the orchard or uh, my consulting business is called Nexus Consulting Solutions. Okay. Um, so it's Nexus CO Solutions, N-E-X-U-S-C-O solutions.com is our website. Okay. Um, you can send me an email at Tyler at Nexus CO solutions.com. Um, or call me on my cell three, three, seven, three, four, nine, six, four, two, one. Uh, even if it's just to grab coffee, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now is, um, you know, inspecting what I expect with the orchard measuring, you know, our key performance metrics and, uh, looking for new opportunities to help elevate, uh, businesses, um, in, help successful, help entrepreneurs and uh, visionaries build systems around their businesses to help them cre- have sustainability. I like it. So uh, final three questions. Uh, what is your favorite Cajun food? I don't know if it's really Cajun, but it's, it's got to be. But like I call it my death row meal is meatball stew. Oh yeah, that's totally Cajun. Okay, it's got a stew in it. Yeah, I mean, you, got, so you got ruin. It. It's I'm gonna be, be super specific, and my wife is gonna listen to this, and she's gonna laugh because she knows it. It's meatball stew, petit pois. It's got to be the small piece. Okay, and a Sister Schubert's roll. It's got to be Sister Schubert's rolls. That's good, but that's it. So Throw some you, potato salad on there too. Okay, so do you ever do, put eggs in it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. My, my wife always makes me put eggs in the meatball stew. Absolutely. Um, Gotta have a boiled egg. Yeah. A buddy said, a buddy of mine taught me that. He was like, yeah, you don't do eggs. I was like, I've never even thought about it. Oh yeah. We, we used to run out of meatballs and we had stew left. So mom would recook it with eggs okay. to where we didn't have to waste. It's the best. My wife puts eggs in uh, a lot of, a lot of stews and soups. Um, it's good. Yeah. Really good. Favorite Cajun festival. Do you have a favorite festival? You know, it didn't uh, have to be Cajun, but like we're known for festivals. So I'm a big fan of Festival Acadien. Okay. Because of the weather. Mm, you yeah. know, I would, I, I think we, we, we go there because of the weather more so. And I just like the park feel. Um, Festival International is amazing, but it's, I just, it's hot. I, I, I'm a sweaty dude. Yeah. And, you know, April is just a sweaty month for me. So, um, I, we go, <laughs> but, uh, it's, I, I wish it was a little cooler. Sure. Um, and I know that if they move it up, it's too close to Mardi Gras and they move it back. First of all, Kadian, but, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of a Kadian, but just purely because of the weather. It's just like quintessential, like Louisiana fall, crisp, yeah. cool air with good food, good drink, good music. And it's, it's a great, great festival. It's so. amazing. Yeah. And this is right up your alley. Um, if somebody is listening to this and thinking about starting a business, what would what advice would you give them? Just start. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs have is that uh, paralysis by analysis. And if you never start, you never finish. Yeah. And I can t- promise you that you're going to make a ton of mistakes, but that's okay. You're learning. Uh, and if you don't ever start making mistakes, you're never going to learn. You're never going to grow. Um, reach out for help. You know, the entrepreneur community, small business owner community in Acadiana is amazing uh, at providing resources, whether it be through an institution like Opportunity Machine or just your neighbor up the road who, you know, owns a, you know, uh, 
handyman company or whatever the case may be, we've all got different experiences that we can draw on to be able to help in different ways. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's something you want to do, you have to make the decision to just go and do and have confidence in yourself that, um, even though it may not look perfect today, you are always a work in progress and you can get better tomorrow. And if you want, uh, rewind the episode, get Tyler's information and go have coffee with him. That's right. I'd be so, glad to help. Well, cool. Well, thank you for coming back on. Absolutely. I, I This one's going to be backed up multiple different times. So Hopefully it was good as the first one. Yeah, I, I think I, I learned new things. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks so much.